this interview today uh, with Tanya McKenzie, uh, CEO of Sandshores PR. We will be talking about not only her PR boutique, but also her past life experiences and how those experiences led her to the things she has accomplished um, in the present, not only with her PR boutique, but, you know, just a very heartfelt book about um, a past life experience that, I mean, it takes guts to actually write on paper and to publish for the whole world to see. So without further ado, we're going to have Tanya live on the air where she talks about her PR boutique, her book, and what her current projects are. Hi, Tanya. Good evening. How are you? Hey. Hey, good afternoon. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I forget you're in Cali, girl. Yes. Good afternoon to you. (laughs) Thank you for taking your time to be for being on the show today. So you are the CEO of Sands and Shores PR. I love the name, by the way, because when I first uh, when you first submitted it, I was like Sands and Shores. Like I I, I wasn't sure what it was. I I almost thought it was real estate. And then I'm like, oh, it's a PR boutique. Okay, wonderful. So I mean, you have over 20 years of experience in media relations, marketing, clients. Um, You've also been, you know, a a great contributor uh, to nonprofits. You know, you you help raise over a million dollars to open a YMCA in Northern California. You've served as an elected official for the direct as a director of Oakley Chamber in Commerce. I mean, that is just one of the few things that you've actually, you know, established, um, you know. But what else can you tell us about Sands and Shores PR and how your passion for media relations actually led you to opening a PR boutique? You know, it's so funny that you uh, mentioned that it sounds like a public, um, like a real estate firm. I actually started a real estate agent magazine out here in Southern California before I started my firm. Um, We live, we're from the Bay Area, my husband and I, we moved out to Southern California. So basically from Silicon Valley to Silicon Beach. And it was, right, so um, it was very fitting. I thought we made a decision that this was going to be our final final resting ground, and uh, we are right by the beach. So this is the first time. I lived in Southern California before, but I lived in the valley. I went to California State University, Northridge, super hot out there where the earthquakes were, where, you know, everything shook down and gets about 100 and something on a regular basis in the summer. And we had decided if we move out here, we're going to live by the beach. And, um, you know, it was very fitting. My husband's company is Red Beach Advisors, and mine is Sand and Shores PR. So um, we love the beach life. It is great because he always says, you never see anybody frowning out here. You cannot be not happy. You can't be smiling um, living this close to the beach. And it's absolutely true. The fresh air works for you. It keeps everything in perspective and um, I pour my heart into my business just like um, I pour my heart into the community that I live in. So it's a little bit about Sand and Shores. Uh, I did start Real Estate Agent Magazine, and in that time, because I had been in marketing and um, PR for a while, I had started working with some of my advertisers. And, you know, as important as advertising is, and many people think it's the end-all, be-all to getting your name out and uh, marketing your products, really it's only a piece of what you need to be doing to grow your business, right? So you can go ahead and buy an ad and you can pay a $5,000 for a front page ad. But at the end of the day, you ask people, will somebody remember an ad in a magazine or will they remember a story? 
So I have prided myself on really helping businesses tell their story as a way to connect to their target market because that's when people are going to remember, who are you? Why should I trust you with my money? Why should I spend my time and energy on you when there's a, you know, you're a dime, a dime a dozen? So I left a real estate agent magazine, took some of my clients from there and actually turned them into PR clients to help them tell their story. So I always say, you know, we tell a powerful story, a true story with a powerful effect on real lives. And being able to teach people how to do that and get them to galvanize people around their brand um, is pretty important to me because that's, that's what's going to carry you forward. You can have a, but really telling your story is important. You know, I mean, Wow, you're such a wonderful lady, and 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 it's you know I've 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 obviously read about you. I've read your bios. I've gone through your website. I've seen your photos, and I mean just hearing your voice, you know what I mean. I can kind of now put all of that together, and uh, I really appreciate you know you actually taking the time to you know come on the show and not only talk about your brand, but you know hopefully give us a few pointers along the way and how one can better their image. Um, especially now online, because obviously, you know, everything is online. A story can be better told online now than it could be, you know, in the newspapers like it was back in the day. So, you know, being a a PR executive like you are, what can you tell, you know, a a small business owner um, in, in how to create their brand? Because, you know... Putting your brand out there, it's not only just what you think as an owner that you should create, but it's also what people are going to receive and what people are actually going to remember, like you said. People are not going to remember just, you know, a black and white ad on on a newspaper or magazine, but they're going to remember the story behind that. So how can a small business owner just go about creating a brand that can bring people in and actually, you know, actually have some sort of effect on the consumer? You know, the first thing I would always advise people is to be honest. Be honest and be true to who you are and what your product represents and what you represent. Many people try to front as to what they think their audience might be, right? They want what my audience might want me to be. I'm very staunch and um, suited and always clean cut. Well, if you are funny and you have character and if you, you know, take life a little more lightly – it's okay to show that side of you when you're creating your brand because the other point is everybody is not for you as a customer, as a client. You have to decide who your target market is. I think we get wrapped up when we start a business. We want everybody. We want to be able to just have something for everybody, right? I can service everybody. I can provide a product for everybody. The truth of the matter is if you're trying to do everything, you're not going to be able to do one thing well. So who really is going to be your target? Then you're throwing money at every demographic in every target market um, to wind up with a few kernels when you can wind up with the whole pot. So we really have to focus in on who our target market is. Who is your product or your service really good for? And then how do you connect with those? Being authentic is hugely important. That's one of the reasons that my boutique firm – Um, really targets in on speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, because we have a true story to tell that is real, and I don't need to embellish, right? I don't need to make up um, your statistics. I don't need to make up these wonderful things that you've done. If you have a great product and you learn how to tell your story and connect to your target market, 
there's no need for fluff. There's just the way that you tell your story and how your particular product or service will affect and improve their quality of life. Because at the end of the day, that's why people buy. They think this is going to make me feel better. This is going to make me look better. This is going to make my day better. And being able to explain to people why I'm the person that you should be buying your product from or your service from or working with me as a coach or allowing me to speak to your audience, those are the things that are most important. And pretending that you are someone else and creating a campaign around that is in itself faulty because when they get you, one, you're not comfortable in your own skin doing what you love to do the way you love to do it, and two, eventually that facade fades. Right, So then we're stuck with how do I reinvent myself or then the rebranding or explaining away um, what went wrong. So I do think the most important aspects are, one, is knowing your target market, your target demographic, and being able to hone in on those, what they need and how you connect with them. And then, two, being authentic, being who you are, explaining why you are the standout for that person or that organization. A lot of business-to-business um, is important on how you work best with another business, you know, if that's um, the business that you're in. So being able to have those kind of conversations with decision makers is huge. And you have to be authentic because eventually uh, the, the truth always reveals itself. You, you know, I, I think that that is very, that is a, a very good point, uh, Tanya, only because in this, in this day and age, I feel like um, social media has really brought out you know, a, a certain aspect of people's behaviors out in public. So people tend to be, you know, a lot more themselves. I think it goes to the both extremes. I feel like there is people flaunting and just, you know, acting a million times less than what they really are. And then there's people that are really like down to earth and just like not really caring so much about their image. And, you know, it just sh- it comes to show, you know, that it, I mean, they're fine with people looking at them the way they are and others that want to, you know, look a little bit more out there. But in, right. in, in speaking, speaking business, that is, that is very important because, like you said, not every client is the right client for you. So it, it, it really has to do with how you, um, I guess, just overall – target your people and what how people are receiving the message i i find it hard sometimes when people are you know creating uh, a small business but don't really um you know what i mean don't really show what they can do with that so it's like okay so i i i'm offering social media management and it's like okay what about social media management a lot of people have asked me what social media management is and i'm just like well, you know, <laughs> uh, I manage your social media. No, it's a lot more than that because you you yes. are the person in charge of putting that person's business out there in the in, in the best way possible in order to you know attract that clientele right for you. So you mm-hmm. know, I, I think that media overall is is still such a raw and new um, subject, and I I think you know just thing overall it's just very new to the masses because although we advertising was i mean was created what 50 years ago perhaps but it's still yeah. new because now we've incorporated internet and internet has is, made it a monster yeah yeah the thing is it's ever ever evolving but you and your yeah. business should be also and i yeah. think a lot of people get left behind when even without social media they get left behind because they don't innovate 
They don't come yeah. up with new ideas. They don't come up with new projects or new um, events. You know, they do the same event, the same project for the last 10 years, and then they wonder why they're losing clientele. Um, yeah. Many times it's because you don't innovate. So even outside of social media, remember the other day when they had the little social media blackout and someone said, you know, how, how does that affect your business? I was like, I totally missed it because there's so yeah. many other things that you have to be doing um, to yeah. keep your business moving forward. You can't just rely on one thing. You have to innovate. You have to find different ways to communicate with different people because every modality is not for everyone, right? So there are some people on LinkedIn. There's some people on Facebook. You have to decide um, where your clients are, how you communicate with them, and not to forget the personal touch. You do have to make those phone calls. Some people do still like to feel um, something come in the mail and have it sit there on their desk until they're ready to use it. So you always have to be in tune with who your clients are, how you communicate with them, the best modality to get their attention or to get them to um, continue to uh, use you and patronize your business. We can't just rely on one thing. So, yeah, even with social media, it's ever-evolving, and we have to continue to do that in business. Definitely. So let's shift gears a little bit and um, speak more about, you know, you being a published author. I remember <laughs> going back and forth <laughs> with you when I saw your book cover me thinking that it was a children's book, and you are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not it. Um, I was waiting so, for your response from that. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm like, okay, so, you know, and then when I actually saw the story behind, you know, the, you know, the actual plot behind the story, like, wait, oh, my God. Like, this is very personal. You know, I mean, what, I mean, what actually brought you to, to, to write your experiences on paper? Like, did you feel like this story things. had to be told? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, a couple different things. Um, you know, as you get older, you start realizing that uh, whatever happened in your past, particularly when you're a child, that is your past, right? You have no control when you're a kid. And I went many years with a level of embarrassment and shame for some of the things that I had gone through. But as you get older and you start making sense of things, you're like, hey, I didn't do that to me. So being able to, one, let others know that and, – it's not your fault. Whatever happened as, when you were a kid, it's not your fault. You could be spoiled. You could have um, PTSD. You could have been assaulted. Any of that, uh, anything's wrong with your behavior. You didn't raise yourself. So you have to come to terms with that. I have um, mentored and coached young girls uh, over the last 15 years of my life, and many times I've wanted to share with them uh, my experience to help them get through certain things that they we're going through, and I would hold back, uh, and I wouldn't share. And that in itself, as I got older, led me to realize that I was not being authentic. You know, I'm always telling someone, be open, be honest, share your feelings. But I have this um, unhealed womb inside of me that I didn't want to share with anybody. So part of uh, my PR business, and the reason I'm so passionate about true stories is because most of the time, they have an ending that is much better than the beginning, right? We work hard to get over things, um, move past things. And, you know, with my book, I am a survivor of gun violence and sexual assault. And those are things that have, I have witnessed 
have driven people into some very negative places in their life. I was blessed enough to have the fortitude to be able to move past some of these things without it taking me down. So, yes, I did want to tell that story. But the other part of it is there is a criminal justice element to it in where we find ourselves really vigilant and upset about things that have happened and angry. You know, I did that whole angry black girl thing in college, and I realized it wasn't healthy. And instead, I decided to start doing some research and finding solutions. So during my time in college and my young adulthood, I used to write letters to um, the California Department of Justice to keep the, um, the murderer behind bars. But I had to do research to find out where the case was, how this happened, where's this person, who to write the letters to, how to follow up on that. And I was able to use all of those things, which I realized later, to be able to be successful in public relations because it takes what? It takes research. It takes a lot of writing. It takes a lot of follow-up and storytelling. One of, the, one of the most important things that I had to do was be able to convey how something affected me, right? How it made me feel, how it has affected me moving forward from my adulthood, from my childhood to my adulthood, and be able to write that out in a way that someone that's making a decision in regards to letting this man out of prison or not would get. So at some point, um, uh, the parole department had, uh, they had released him on, on parole. And I had been writing letters and talking to his uh, parole officer. So having these conversations at this young age, and eventually, I'm not saying that it was uh, my doing, but I would like to think that I contributed. Uh, Governor Schwarzenegger and Governor Brown overturned um, the parole. So he wound up serving 30 years instead of like 20, instead of 25. You know, they took all the information and in my eyes, it helped. So I would like to um, impose on my brothers and sisters to be vigilant. Instead of being angry, do something about it. Do your research. Find out how the system works. I was chatting with someone on Twitter the other day, and I said, you know, we were just talking back and forth. We were talking about justice. And sometimes it's a very slow-churning process, but if you continue to follow it through and you're persistent and you are very consistent on your contacts and letting them know how serious you are about something, I have yet to see it not work. And maybe I'm lucky and that happened in my favor, but I just thought that it was very important that we at least have some stories out there that say, look, if you do it right, if you're not just angry and upset and you let it affect you emotionally, but if you actually take the time to do the work, you might just get some results that you're okay with. And, you know, Tanya, that is such, I mean, I'd hate to be, you know, silly here, but that's such a, a wonderful story in the sense of how you made it your passion and your goal to, you know, get the message across. And, you know, this is obviously something very personal to you. And I myself have a similar story in the sense that my husband went through something mm. very similar at the age of 20 um, with someone that you would have never even thought would have been someone to do that. You know, also he is a victim of gun violence. And here in the wow. state of Florida, shit is very crazy, girl. To put it this um, way, yes. I mean, this man didn't even get life. <laughs> 
and one, wow. one, person, one person was actually the casualty. You know, there was a casualty. My husband, by the grace of God, survived. But there was a casualty in, 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 this, in this case. And just because the justice system wasn't doing their job, evidence mm-hmm. was misplaced, the judge let – not that the person didn't serve their time, but they didn't serve mm-hmm. the time they should have. And Absolutely. to put it this way, the guy was applying for parole, and my husband never even found out. The guy was applying to get out of prison. Oh, my God. Didn't even know until, like, I, I guess that he he tried for parole once or twice, and then for somehow, some way, they, they actually, you know, denied it. But if it wasn't, you know what I mean, if it wasn't my husband finding out through someone else, we would have never found out. This guy could have been roaming the streets right now. And wow. what he could have in his mind, you know. You know what I mean? This was, this was a very sensitive case. And I, I feel like, you know, alone in the state of Florida, we, we actually tried passing a law um, this past election. I'm not sure if it went through or not, but victims are not treated like victims here. At times, victims are treated like the criminals, and criminals actually get treated a, a lot better. <laughs> Man. So um, for you to actually make, you know, have this passion of getting this message across and, and, and making, you know, a publication out of it, and, and hopefully you keep fighting for, for people's rights in this, you know what I mean? Um, it's yeah. Because some people just try to hide the pain, you know, and they try to and just let's push not, it back and forget it. Mm-hmm. And let's not, let me be clear, I know the system is broken, uh, and I, that's why I continue to have conversations with uh, the police department in my area, in other areas. I'm active with the League of Women Voters. I did register for victim services. So when yeah. anything happened with this person's um, existence, I would know. If he was breathing wrong, when he went to the infirmary, I would get a phone call. Now, at the age of like 25, that's, that might be a lot to deal with. Um, having yeah. It's almost like reliving the situation, but I would much rather know than not know because that exact thing, what you just said, um, yeah. Not knowing and you, walking down the street one day and you're like, what? Okay, I don't even know yeah. if I could have dealt with that kind of trauma because I was, you know, anybody would be like, um, um, I can't deal, I can't function. That was a lot. So I, do, Florida scares me. Let me <laughs> let me be very yeah. clear. Uh, some of yeah. the things that go on in Florida that have me yeah. very afraid. Have me You'd very be surprised afraid, so. because. Just like California, we're a very international state. I mean, just like California, yep. New York, Florida, we're very international. I mean, we have people here from all over the world in such a small space because most of our international people are in South Florida. I mean, we're we're practically over capacity over here, and they just keep coming in, wow. you know. And it's and it's 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 just hard to um to feel unsafe for you know lack of uh, of a correct. Uh, justice system. So yep. I, I, um, you mentioned that this service that you were provided with was victim services. Is this something that's provided uh-huh. only in California or is it interesting? No, ma'am. There, anybody that has been a victim of or involved in a violent crime can register for yeah. victim services and they are required to keep you posted on anything that has to do with that particular um, crime that's and anybody it. involved in it. So yeah. um, I also had a younger brother that um, I hate to get too too graphic, but my mom was pregnant and she had been shot and my she was pregnant with my little brother. So when he he wasn't really, you know, aware of all the work that I was doing behind the scenes, but I definitely yeah. did not want for this man to get out and my brother to run into him um at some point. So I was consistently trying to follow up with that also. 
to make sure that he didn't wind up in a situation like you said your husband would have. It was pretty traumatic for me. I couldn't even imagine what he would have, you know, went through knowing uh, um, that this man was out. So, yeah, victim services was incredibly helpful. Um, and I recommend anybody that feels like – and now they have they get restitution for it. So that wasn't even happening uh, when I was younger, but even but now there's a level of restitution and you know, financial um, assistance that they provide. So, you know, it's, it's important to be informed. Um, it's important to keep digging and find out what is offered to someone that has been through trauma um, and then connect with others that are recovering from trauma because – no one else can understand it the way someone else that has been through it understands it, you know? Definitely. Well, and I'd like to show you my respects and condolences for your, for your family. And, you know, on a side note, I kind of want to highlight how great of a mother you are because apparently you've been published in an amazing mom's book, you know, Parents of the 21st Century. Would you um, like to talk a little bit more about that? You know, there's a couple of different organizations that do work just to galvanize themselves around good parenting. Um, And I had spoken to the author, and he wanted to highlight me. The cool part about that is I actually got to highlight other people that uh, influenced me as a mother. Um, I had to go through my adulthood without a mom, so I did have a plethora of surrogate mothers that definitely uh, affected how I raised my kids, continued to preach patience uh, because it's something that we forget, right? And that supported me through some of those tough times in motherhood. And I I was happy to do it. We all need a support system because parenting is not easy. There is really no book uh, that has the roadmap for it. And when it gets tough, we need a network to be able to say, you know what, I'm I'm losing it right now. I don't know <laughs> what to do in this yeah. moment. I think they're ganging up against me in my sleep. I, knew, <laughs> I didn't know what to yeah. do. So, you yeah. know, in that being said, it was an honor uh, to be able to do that. I've mentored, like I said, young girls. I try to be there for most anybody under the age of 18 that needs someone to either talk to or help them through things because that's that's what we're here for. All of us that have the experience or have the opportunity Uh, to help someone out or guide them on different paths uh, that they may have gone on. Uh, That's our job. It's our, it's our opportunity uh, to give back and leave a legacy. Definitely. I mean, overall as women, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed enough that I have a wonderful husband that, you know what I mean? Whenever I'm panicky, he kind of brings me down a little bit, but I, you know, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mother of a first, you know, firstborn. he's 10 and a half months. Mm. So I'm going through every stage right now. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he, I mean, and I, and it's so, and it's so amazing. I love it. I, I, I absolutely love it. And I want to have more, but there are certain times where I just freaking panic and I'm like, what do I do right now? And anytime I ask a mother, it's like, do your research. And I'm just like research, but research shows that every child is different. Right. <laughs> research shows that right. every baby is freaking different. My baby, yeah. he is like so hyperactive and he's so funny. And, and then sometimes, you know, he, I just don't necessarily know what to do or how he feels because I can't right. tell if he's mad or if he's happy or if he's sad, or maybe he's just joking with me. Yeah. Because on top of that, I think, you know what I mean? 
yeah, like, you know, sometimes I, I he, he does, you know, the trick that every baby does, and he's just, he does that, huh, 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 he looks like he's going to cry, and then I run towards and like, him, what and is that? laughing, yeah, he starts laughing at me, so then I'm like, okay, I'm driving myself nuts here, and, you know, he's perfectly fine. <laughs> I told you, they're plotting against us, they're plotting against us, they speak their yeah. own language, and they're plotting against us, I definitely call that the most rewarding fatigue ever, because yeah. they will always see you um, as someone, they ju- you are their favorite toy. Definitely. You are their favorite toy. Right? And again, so I think it it's a blessing. Matter. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. The most rewarding fatigue ever, I promise. Yeah. Just keep definitely. doing it. Definitely. <laughs> Just keep doing it. So, 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 Tanya, what can you tell us about any upcoming projects? Are you um, a part of any um, a nonprofits at the moment. What what are you supporting right now? Do you have any? Um, are you going to be speaking at any conferences soon? I have so much going on. I try I to keep it all together, but for the most part, I am here to help any organization that's trying to just do better and contribute to their community. So I am a member of the League of Women Voters, and right now we are working on um, criminal justice reform and uh, the death penalty. Um, We're doing research on that. You know, California is going through their thing right now um, about the death penalty. So we're doing research on that. Um, I will be speaking at Occidental College in April, April 15th, to their students about uh, mental health in the the African-American community, minority community. Um, That's important because we get to talk – I get to talk to them at an early age, right? We don't have to wait till they become an adult, and they're really lost. It's important to know that, yes, even us of color, we we need help sometimes. We can't figure it out on our own. We can't just pray it away. Sometimes we need more than um, just a prayer, so we need to do the work. And we're going to have that conversation at Occidental College. I'll be back on my book tour, so I'll be doing some more Barnes & Noble's um, book signings. I will be in um, Virginia. I'll be in Atlanta. I'll be doing some more in the Bay Area in California. And maybe if you have me, I'll be in Florida. But either way, I'm definitely going to continue having this conversation um, as often as I can. I do a lot of work with ACEs and Kaiser now on um, really building awareness around adverse childhood experiences and how that affects us as adults, uh, unresolved trauma, how that looks in adulthood, and how we can just be better adults uh, to the kids around us because really everything we do and say affects who they become. And it's our job to be more aware of that and have that conversation explain to them what that looks like. So anytime I have the opportunity to have that conversation with uh, parents, administrators, uh, youth organizations, I am there. So I'll be pretty busy over the next, you know, nine months, but uh, it's all good stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, just hoping to, like I say, have some complex conversations and make it easy for people to understand. You know, um, the fact, uh, did, did you go to school for any sort of branch of medicine at all, or did you go to school straight for, like, media relations? You know, I went to school for sociology at Cal State Northridge because I just okay. assumed col- college yeah. counselors are absolutely awful. But, you know, you think, oh, sociology, I like people, I want to help people. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. they don't tell you is you need to learn how to run a business and you can't help people if you're broke. So, yes, um, yeah, I had to be able to fine tune uh, a lot of those skills that we learned um, into something else that I love. And now I'm able to do both. 
I'm an avid child advocate and yeah. author and public relations um, consultant. I love helping small businesses. I've been involved with the Chamber of Commerce for the last ooh, umpteen years now. So yeah, at in Oakley, California, and yeah. now I'm on the board of directors at the Redondo Beach Chamber of Commerce, and I enjoy interacting with small businesses and helping them find ways to, you know, grow their business and keep it going and keep giving that good stuff out to their community. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, backtracking a little bit back to that mental health state, um, what is it about uh, ethnic groups, and not just African Americans, uh, Spanish people are guilty of this as mm-hmm. well, and not wanting mm-hmm. to find counseling? for just just for your for your own good you know just for your own mental health just to kind of release that pressure that we build up in our minds every day i mean i i mean not it's a stereotype i know but america you know caucasians love to go to therapy and we don't why is that is it because our mom beat our head for kids like it's kind of a shameful thing we're 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 traditionally we've been very religious right um, yeah. Traditionally, we you know grew up yeah. in the black church or the Catholic church. Catholic uh, church, yeah. Did, yeah, we did traditionally spend a lot of time in the church. So we relied on that. We relied on the pastors as our counselors, and you know they did the pre premarital counseling. They did the marital counseling. They did the yeah. oh my child is having some issues. Go talk to the pastor counseling. Go to Sunday school. It's going to fix your problems. You're going to see everything in different light. Well, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Right. So you spend 12 hours in church, but then whatever's bothering you was never resolved, and you wind up passing it down to your kids. That's the other thing, unresolved trauma. We pass it down, and we bring it into our marriages, and we bring it into our families. And now that people are starting to have these conversations and say, hey, there's a a better way, and let me show you what that looks like. You know, it's still a tradition that we are learning to break, but, you know, this whole, um, I don't want to say pseudo-religious, people are starting to be a lot more open-minded in regards to religion. So uh-huh. as you see that taking place, they're also being a little more open-minded in regards to how they solve some of the situations that are troubling them. So I don't think it's a bad thing that people are starting to think in a different way and be open to other solutions. doesn't mean don't go to church. It just means if that's not working, let's try something else. Because if you don't, it could get worse. And that's what happens when you have PTSD or trauma and you don't resolve it and it gets worse, then it becomes bipolar disorder. Then you're super medicated. And then you have kids and now you're medicated trying to raise kids. And then the kids see you medicated. So then it becomes a cycle of dysfunction and there is a better way. So we have to continue to have the conversation to let them know, hey, just because you're getting counseling doesn't mean something's wrong with you. And you should be ashamed. It just means you're having counseling and you're trying to get better. We get better from everything else. We go to the doctor for um, a broken thumb. So why wouldn't we go for a broken heart? Definitely. And I mean, counseling works, works for everything. And let's say that you are ashamed to speak to a doctor. I mean, regardless, the doctor's getting paid, so there's nothing you should be ashamed about. But it's always maybe looking for someone that you can just 
spill your guts too. I always tend to be that person that people tell me everything. I don't know why. It's my face or maybe just the way I talk. People just kind of tell me how they're feeling and, you know, what they're going through. And I, it, it, it makes me feel better because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm useful for something and without giving too much feedback, because at the same time, I don't think that it's your job as a friend to give too much feedback. It's more so just kind of listening to them and let them, you know, like air out and exigenate their brain a little bit and then feel better. But um, going, going to a counselor, you know what I mean? If you, if you are diagnosed with a certain disorder, like you said, and you don't treat it at a certain age, it just goes worse. It gets worse. And, and not only for it yourself, does. but the people around you. You know, those kids that live with you or your partner that lives with you. And then it just, you know, there's so much miscommunication that goes on back and forth. And you think, oh, my God, you know, our marriage is not working because of this. And no, in reality, there's just something else going on. So You have some unresolved situations. Definitely. And I mean, how many of us does this story seem relatable to? I know it's very relatable to me, and I'm sure it's relatable to many people that are listening in right now. So mental health, it's very important, everyone. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of actually going to the doctor for anything. Like you said, you know, they're there to cure us and hopefully make us better. So I'm I'm very happy that you're taking, you know, you're you're making it your, you know, your passion and your goals to actually communicate this to the communities and not just in California, but nationwide. Um, if you are ever in Florida, I would be gladly, gladly to travel and, and, and see you and, you know, uh, support what you're doing. Um, in regards to your book, I, I know you mentioned you have a few uh, book signings at Barnes and Nobles. Is that the only place that your book is carried? Um, no, it's on Amazon, and okay. I do uh, events at um, independent stores also. So, you know, okay. little niche boutiques. I have done um, domestic violence events in the Bay Area, and really anyone that wants to have a conversation about just getting better and moving past trauma and bad things. You know, one of the things that I wanted to emphasize in regards to getting um, counseling, counselors go to get counseling. Did you know that? <laughs> Yes, they I actually saw a show about that They're the other totally, day. <laughs> right. They say it all the time, like, I have to go to therapy. Well, what are you about to go yeah. to therapy for? I'm traumatized by listening to your problems. Okay. Definitely. So if they need therapy, then there should be absolutely no shame in saying, you know what, I'm not doing so well. I'm tripping out. I'm flashing. I don't know why I'm crying for no reason. I should go talk to somebody. And it doesn't have to be a counselor. If you just want to have, now they have post-trauma coaches. I do post-trauma coaching. It's really when you get stuck, you can't get out of this ugly place. Um, Find someone that you can talk to. Like you said, it doesn't always need uh, a comment or resolution. Sometimes a person just wants to be heard. Like this really happened and this is how I'm feeling. Sometimes people just want to be heard. Definitely. Well, Tanya, it's been a pleasure, beautiful, beautiful pleasure speaking to you here on the show. I really appreciate your time. I applaud you for all your great accomplishments and for everything you have coming up in your near future. I look forward to hearing from you again and seeing, um, you know, what's up with your book. I know that that would be Mm -hmm. great. And hopefully you have, um, you know, many more publications not that i'm trying to add more work to your list now i'm just saying i'm, I'm down <laughs> like, to, to see more of your books <laughs> I, okay, I love it i appreciate <laughs> okay. your time i have enjoyed all of your podcasts i definitely got back into working out again after i listened to one of your girls she had been um, into fitness changed her life i get into my yes. role and yeah. you did a great job with her 
tell her that she's excellent. I love your show. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sweetheart. You have a wonderful afternoon. It's evening for me, but I don't know if the sun's already gone down in Cali. Uh, you know, you enjoy that those beaches out there. They're one of the, the – right. Cali has the best beaches. I, I was my Go first time out. out there maybe like five or six years ago. And my mom took me to Santa Monica. I had never seen anything like that, mm. you know, from, I mean, the sand just goes on forever and forever and right. ever and ever. And I'm just like, when is the water coming? And then once you touch that water, you're like, oh, okay. I'm sold. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. I'm fine. I'm here. I'm, I'll stand in, in the sand. But uh, California is well, beautiful. For you. Yeah. Nice. And, um, yeah, God bless you and your husband. And you guys have a wonderful um and, you know, I know you guys have already a very well-established career, but I wish you uh, continued luck and success. Thank you so much. And you need, you need to chat about the little one, you let me know. You call me. We'll laugh about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll send you some videos. He, he's the funniest kid, I swear. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. That was Tanya McKenzie, CEO of Sand and Shores PR. She's an author. She's a Speaker. She is an overall community activist. Uh, feel free to check out her website. Her business website is Sand and Shores PR. You can find her on Twitter. She's super active on Twitter, PR Biz Mom. So, yeah, check her out and check us out. Our next podcast would be this Thursday, I believe, is the 23rd. I have a few people lined up for Entertainment Life. So, stay tuned and bye bye. Big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract ever. And keep the phone a number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.